You're listening to Josh and Andy, and this is The Stack. This episode of The Stack is brought to you by that feeling of elation that washes over you when you behead a rival gang member at his own wedding. Welcome back to The Stack. This is but a cozy New Year chat between your best friends, Josh and Andy. We talk beards, sartorialism, weird Chinese social stuff, and Anglo-Saxonry. And as ever, manly predictions for the new year. Let's listen. question was the beard well yeah because you look like a you know sort of early 30s saint nicholas oh that's nice thanks i i I appreciate how you couch that in yeah i like that thanks man i i couldn't grow a beard before i i was uh i don't know what happened with age testosterone is supposed to fall off right but i don't know if that has anything to do with it i I mean I, i don't know if testosterone has anything to do with it yeah, I don't know. I, I'm pretty hirsute if I want to be. But the um, I the last time I grew a beard was um, seven years ago when I was moving back from uh, Asia to the U.S. And I just, you know, had several weeks. I was too busy and everything. So I just stopped shaving. And then I, I get back. I get to the U.S., have my beard. And then a couple of weeks later, I shaved it. And my sort of ultimate superior boss looked at me was like, oh, you shaved your beard. That was a good idea. And so I'm glad that I had done it, I guess, for like internal political reasons. But I think it's, ter- <laughs> I think, I think beard shaming is wrong. It's bad. Um, I wish that we had more of it. I don't think there's something like there's been no presidential candidate with a beard, like a serious one in like a long time. I don't know. Well, there's, a, there's also the, the sort of reverse well, I don't know if it's reverse, but the if you ever look at like Roman Roman statues as they as they go through time, they become mm. more more bearded. I don't know if that's a. I, I don't think that anybody has a clear answer to why that is. I don't know if it's because it's more Germanic emperors, yeah. because I think I think that this. I mean, I'm talking out of my ass here, but I think it predates, you know, even Germanic emperors. So maybe it's something about. Empire, empires right. falling. When empires right. fall, men start growing their beards again. I, you know, I think, but hard, you know, hard something times. I've, I, I've wondered about the. This is Kali Yuga, right? But the the um right the the thing that I've always wondered is, in if you went to ancient Rome, and you took somebody from, yeah, you know, the time of Marcus Aurelius or whatever, um, which what two hundreds, eighty, or something. 100 something so so then but then you take him back 200 years will he look as hopelessly out of date sartorially as Mm. somebody today would you know if you kind of brought them forward from whatever and i i've I've always wanted because i i think you know obviously unless you have some extremely autistic um present like you know we would just look at roman clothes as the say you know the swords and sandals ben-hur 
or whatever is the same as um, uh, uh, whatever. But, you know, obviously fashion changes pretty quickly. Even pre-modern times, you know, there were there were pretty rapid changes. So I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, this this sh- this show is um, is insufficiently podcast, historical I, well, about I, I, these about right. sartorial history, right? Except, Sorry, I mean, a fr- uh, Jen, friend of yeah. the podcast, Xianyang's right. city bureaucrat. Her right. Twitter gig most of the time is calling out different fashions of different dynasties, at least, and yeah. you can see it. Um, but even within that, you know, is there, and we should have her on, you know, is there a big difference between sort of 10 years? I mean, I, I, we think of it as very continuity, but increasingly when I look at, um, videos from the early aughts, um, they do start to look a little bit dated, um, less so than I think something in the aughts, someone in the aughts would have looked at something from like the late seventies. Um, or early 80s, I think there's been sort of less change since then, or maybe it's just because I'm old. Um, but I think, I think you can get pretty study. pretty autistic about the about the changes because, for instance, um, you know the uh, women's women's dress clothing in in China in like the 19 you know from the turn of the 19th century to the 1930s underwent sort of drastic changes. In the sense that, uh, you know, we, we look at the Chinese waitresses now. I, like it's a joke about Chinese waitresses now that that uh, they wear the um, uh, what's the dress? Qipao. The the word, yeah, right. Changsam. Uh, the Changsam, yeah. Um, I, and 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 now that's that's kind of a, a cliche, but that that sort of dress only comes about as a sort of fusion of i think Man- manchu sartorialism mixed with um western cut you know shanghai, so like the style yeah yeah, yeah. or yeah, yeah yeah like the shanghai style with uh with a western cut and that that crops up within i think i don't know 10 15 20 years or something like that yeah well and there was, so, that was a great outrage right because some poor teenager pushed put a picture up of herself in a, a teapow for a prom or something oh, and then yeah. and then got 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 dragged dragged yeah. for you know this is this is appropriating my culture and then you know yeah. there were some, some your prom your my culture is not your prom dress right isn't right. that what the line was something right. like that right <laughs> and 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 the, and the the person who was outraged was from a part you could tell from their surname a part of china that uh would have been very very far removed from from this as heritage and in fact would have been populated mostly by anti manchu boxer types who would have found this totally outrageous uh right. this, this costume but i don't know you know i i'm i'm finally reading oliver twist and i i'd never read charles dickens and um some of this uh first of all it's a much longer book than i expected because i've only ever seen the musical oliver um and yeah. uh but 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 it, but he talks a little bit about fashion and there's a lot of items of clothing that i have to actually go into the dictionary 
um, to to see. Okay, you know, I've always read over. You know, I know these words, but now I actually want to see what they mean. Um, and even somebody like Bill Sykes, the the, the ruffian, um, he he has a lot of sort of uh, clothing, uh, you know, of like fancier cuts and things like that. Then I think that somebody of a similar pedigree and um, profession might today. Um, but that's that's why it's on on my mind. Okay, what was the what was the the book this year? What was your? You asked me last year, um, and I I came out with a dumb answer that was like ten ten years out of date because I was taking it off the top of my head. But I have an answer today. Do you? So you okay, you, to, you 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 go yeah. first. You you go first. I've been on a old English kick. So I've been reading. I, I've actually been learning. That's oh, the God, malt liquor. That's been, the malt liquor. <laughs> yeah, I've been drinking old English liquor uh, and beating my wife. No, I've been. I've been. Uh, you know, old old English uh, studying studying Beowulf and things like that. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why because uh, as a white male. As a white male, I have no place in the world anymore as an old English speaker because my options are really like, you know, Tolkien nerds or internet racists. And while I uh, will never spew the internet racists out of my mouth, I'm not an internet racist. So I don't really fit with them either. Uh, so I don't know. Really, you know, you have to, you just kind of have to actually actually enjoy the stuff kind of like jen you know jen who we were just talking about she doesn't mm. she's not an academic in the sense that she doesn't she's not in any university and i've seen her actually say that the people who who should be doing this stuff are not the academics that is to say that it should be um right you know the the, the people who truly love it and don't need like a tenure to to do it should be the ones doing it so anyway that's a roundabout way of saying that I've I've been getting into old English, and uh, do you read? You know, so is it like the Seamus the Seamus Heaney uh, uh, interlineal interlinear version or whatever? So you are looking at the old English and the contemporary English. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing I'm like I, I have to listen at the same time. I don't know I don't understand anybody who like only does grammar books. I, I do do I, I, I do grammar books, but um, like when I'm learning a language, I have to hear it auditorily. Yeah. Uh, so so I want someone to be reading with proper diction and pronunciation. Right. Right. There's a there's a clever a clever guy on on YouTube. He did. Um, it's a stupid song, in my opinion, but there's a song "Pumped Up Kicks" about a uh, school shooting. And somebody, uh, <laughs> I think, I mean, like, I didn't actually realize that's what it's about until oh, okay. uh, this. I, but but somebody translated it into Old English and then yeah. play play it in uh, kind of um, period instruments. And yeah. I think actually Master Wong uh, pointed yeah. it out to me. Uh, but it's um it, that's actually pretty pretty well done and uh, it's cool because they they give the subtitles in uh, real English, you right? Know, today's English, the King's English, and um, uh, but you can you can hear little bits of it and it it's funny like you know some words like um uh, are are just the exact same, 
and and yeah, those yeah, yeah. are the most the most conservative. Um, if you ask the the book of the year for me, um, it's it's hard to say. One reason is is you know because I was looking through Kindle to just kind of furiously like, what did I read, and I, that I read actually very little, and then I remembered because I got the um, the Amazon book on tape or whatever you can't call it that because there's what's a tape, but the uh, audible audible. And so I started listening more because I just had more time walking around and yeah, commuting or whatever. That was a little bit easier. Um, and so, so there, there are a few, but I, I went through a little bit of an older um, thing, but I, I did do the, um, uh, and I, I want to get the title right, it says uh, Against the Grain by James C. Scott. And he is the uh, writer of uh, Seeing Like a State which has been appropriated oh, right. by rats as a, a canonical text that I think they, mm. um, and it was also used by a, um, a internet crank, Curtis Yarvin, um, to justify, <laughs> justify insanely to justify COVID, COVID lockdowns. Um, and then, uh, but, but, but the other one that uh, was the same in the same, era is the the horse the wheel and language which is about proto-indian uh, european yeah um i, I have and, read that and yeah enjoyed it no sorry yeah. go ahead i just wanted to throw that in there i i i, I endorse as well yeah yeah and it, it was interesting I, I did against the grain afterwards which is more about the the political development of the early state and how did um cities happen and states happen and uh i think his uh, seeing like a state was much much better, um, and per partly because I just found it. I read it as undergraduate. It's the only book from undergraduate that I remember, really much of that was nonfiction, um, and yeah, I think is is pretty good about um, localism. Really, the ineffectiveness. We talked about Corbusier with um, uh, Galen last last episode, and um, just the uh, way that large projects by going beyond human scale it end up just not actually working um for a variety of reasons um so i think that's pretty good and against the grain is more about um trying to make the case that the state is like bad for health and stuff like that and i think that's actually a little bit um tougher to say I, it's very all very well and good to say oh well you know hunter gatherers um had this great egalitarian what what have you but they also like died at 22 or whatever right so um let's let's not go too far i like antibiotics it's just kind of a thing um don't like vaccines but you know well not anymore anyway yeah so the um uh but the the uh uh yeah so so i did those but the proto-indo-european book horse wheel and language was which i think much better and much more interesting i knew i knew uh, enough to be familiar-ish with it, but I still thought that he presented um, the uh, the research pretty pretty well. Um, mm. And it's uh, you know the the expanse of Indo-European languages. I did not appreciate how far east it went into uh, present day Xinjiang, um, mm -hmm. with some like Tur Turchin languages or something no not turchin but the um some of those those guys so that was good yeah i, I what i remember from well i mean I, I guess i remember several things but the one thing that really stuck with me is that um there's it, it is true of 
impoverished societies that their people are multilingualists. Mm. So, and I, I actually use that book to argue to argue with um, with my I, I, people don't know this, but my my master's training was in linguistics, and uh, I am a teach or I I was trained as a teacher of of English as a second language or or second language acquisition. Uh, and my master's is actually in in, in linguistics, uh, in second language acqu- acquisition, and uh, I can remember arguing with um, sort of like woke ideologue teachers in the teachers' college, who thought that it was a wondrous thing that we should have multiple languages in the United States, and uh, I was the I was the lone voice saying. Actually, what that means is we're probably economically insecure, right? Because all here's here's a, a litany of of all of the uh, multilingual societies in the world, and the reason that they are multilingual is because they have to be because they have never achieved economic hegemony over over a region, right? So they're all sort of like these small regional, uh, in unstable societies that have to learn 16 different languages to, to right, right. you know to to work with one another um so it's it's kind of interesting it's like that dumb the dumbbell centrism or whatever the the the, the uh pole 100 um view right. of the world which is that super rich people want their kids to be multi multilingualists uh super poor people have to be multilingualists but the, you know to, if you were actually living in a in a sort of um, thriving culture that is exporting culture and, and right, right. economically secure. You have one single, you know, your yours is the dominant. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, uh, aristocrats language. speaking speaking multiple languages is is interesting. I mean, and obviously you have the extreme case of of Ru- imperial Russia, where they were monolinguist but like did not speak Russian. Right, they spoke French. Mm. Um, right, you know, but but. Uh, yeah, but obviously, what we're trying to do in, uh, without getting too political about it, but what we're trying to do in America, um, where neither of us lives, <laughs> why would you say we? But um, the uh, of sort of trying to uh, push a bilingual. Let's let's be clear, it's bilingualism, right? With with Spanish right. mostly, right? Right. right. Um, I mean, it just doesn't work, you know. I mean, like, and unless you live in um a, a border area that i mean probably what you should teach kids is like enough to um you know order order food in a bodega or something like that but you know i i think it's it is funny um you know sometimes in new york city i'd run into people i was trying to use a laundromat and a guy i couldn't figure something out and so a guy came over and it was clear like his english was not very good so i tried speaking chinese and so it turned out he is uh uh he was from Laos, but was overseas chinese i mean he can't say overseas right but you know the um he was from the chinese community in Laos, um and mm. so spoke spoke mandarin um and we were able to then communi- communicate that way and he had come to the us as like a you know teenager and never really learned english that well um but the uh uh it's you know yeah we should just be teaching like border spanish basically um, but you know, here in, um, Hong Kong, obviously it's, you know, kind of unusual. You have Mandarin Chinese becoming more, 
uh, more popular. I think English has actually gotten a little bit better among young young kids than it was ten years ago, um, and maybe that's some sort of like rebellion or something like that. But um, but yeah, I mean, in general, most people do not need to use a second language, especially if you're in a geographic place like the U.S., where you know you're not going to incidentally, you know, this is not like Luxembourg. You're not going to incidentally like drive. 90 minutes and end up in a German area, right? Um, so, yeah, I as a language guy, I have lamented that fact, but like it's not, I mean, the the world is not full of linguists, you know. So, I not I find everyone it is a rootless that, cosmopolitan like us, right? But I mean, also, not everyone is like a like a you know, a language nerd either, and there's certainly no reason for me to push the belief on anybody that they should learn a second language. It's also I did, I, I, it's also taught terribly, right? If if you go to places yeah, well. like like India where uh, everybody I mean basically everybody who is uh, at all educated speaks speaks English. Like they they get taught it um by like nuns who just like hit their you know I mean, it's just very boring like right like they do graded readers and they learn by rote and everything and especially the um the suburban middle class types that are trying to push some of these things you know like they think that it, they themselves never learned to speak a language fluently other than english and so they just but they just want it in pill form they want rosetta stone they want um whatever kind of thing that oh and like right away i just want to be speaking and conversing and expressing my beautiful ideas in this other language and like that doesn't work yeah, it's, it's interesting opinion. you say that because um, you're the expert. The the sort of foolish thing that I did was um, use Ron Uns in my. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I use Ron Uns. You, you, you. I'm sure you probably remember the um, uh, his campaign in California against the the dual language thing. This is right. Way precedes. I think this is the '90s. Actually, this way precedes. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, precedes the um, the Holocaust stuff, but my paper didn't precede the Holocaust stuff. So using Ron Uns was a bit um, sketchy. Luckily, yeah, it was adventurous. Yeah, that's a good that's a good word. Uh, luckily, I think I think people um, quote Heidegger. That's and true. Like, that's <laughs> true. Right? I mean, that's true. They do, and they still listen to Wagner. Yeah. Anyway, I use I use Ron Uns as as an example. Um, but no, I, w what is uh, useful about that is that he found, um, not to say that he's not biased, but I, I assume that his research is probably better than my teacher's college's research. At any rate, he found that that uh, parents didn't want that, like the 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 Hispanic or whatever you want to call them. Uh, parents didn't want to have their children learning Spanish. It was white, affluent white soccer moms who who were into that. But the affluent white soccer moms were the ones who had the political clout. So uh, eventually, they did end up completely repealing all of the work that UNS did in California. Prop 227 ended up getting passed back in 1994, or around 94, when he was running for governor, I think. 
but ultimately got overturned. And I think it was because, you know, like political, but the, the political power rested with like white woke soccer moms, uh, and you know, the, the usual suspects in the education system. Right. I, it's, you know, I, um, for work, I uh, used to go up to, um, uh, Toronto quite a bit and, uh, I would talk to my colleagues there, um, because, in in Ontario, they are there are um, monolingual French, uh, basically effectively French schools, and then there's English schools, and then there are uh, schools that have um, dual dual track, um, and that's probably a simplification. And somebody from Ontario is going to say it's like not actually, it's not exactly that way, but the um, actuellement. Um, but the, uh, uh, a lot of my colleagues, they would put their kids, they, they would try to move to areas where there was, um, just a strong English school because, um, they wanted, uh, their kids to, to be in the English program because, you know, they're Anglophone or whatever. Um, and some of them actually came from other communities, uh, than, you know, whatever, Estonia or something, but they, they, um, did because if you were in a French English, a bilingual school, um, the uh, smarter students were tracked into the French program um, because that's where their parents would push them to go to. Um, and so then, if you were in a bilingual school and you went into the English program, it was it was often the less stellar uh, students that you were paired with, and so they wanted to avoid that. So I, I was just saying that you know the, these parents they would uh, put they, they would seek out English only schools because if you were in the bilingual school and you went into the English program that was where the dumber kids were because the parents would push the the ones the parents that were kind of pushier and more involved were getting their kids into the French program because they thought that was you know so um, sophisticated right. So it's uh, it's fraud, and then of course you know where 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 you are, you have this is less common now, but like thirty years ago, um, education was mandated to be in so-called Mandarin Chinese, which the teachers themselves had a very you know very dim grasp of what that meant, <laughs> and so would be like teaching sort of in dialect, but they certainly didn't speak English, um, and you know, with kind of like very hilarious results for um, the cap English capabilities of some people. I never did, by the way, I never did get around to talking about like, I, I never did say what the book was or books, but I was going to suggest if people are into it, the the old, the oldie English, I mean the world, not not learning the language, but just learning some more about the world. And it's timely my book is The Rise and Fall of Merry England by Ronald Hutton. Ronald Hutton, uh, who is a professor of some notes in Oxford, I think. Oxford or Cambridge, same thing, right? So anyway, the book is uh, about the ritual, the ritual year in England, not precedent to, but, uh, well, from 14, 1400 to 1700. So this is a clearly Christianized paganism mm. meaning that the ritual year is based on the pagan calendar uh but with the rituals christianized 
I mean, I I don't think that this is anything new, but the the I, I guess seeing kind of the pagan roots more clearly, mm. or what what they were, how they got there. So, for instance, the what's a what's February second? February second is Shrove Shrove Tuesday that, or Shrove or, Tuesday. Or, that's, well, that that would be around there, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Shrove. Tuesday is is when we do our confessions, but but one of the things you know one of the things that that they did at the time was uh, well they, you have Palm Sunday I'm not really good with the liturgical calendar, but you have Palm Sunday sometime around there. But one of the things that they do so Shrove to Shrove means to confess, right? So this is the uh, time that that you confess, and then some sometime around there you have the you have Easter and what is it? Palm Palm Sunday, but it turns out that if you look at, uh, for instance, the what what Palm Sunday was called, uh, so they didn't have palms obviously in England. So what they were using was things that were evergreen, so evergreen trees of like yew or whatever. And so anywhere that you go um, around England, they were just using whatever they had that was green basically, and they would take yew trees. And um, the father would bless the yew trees, and then that that would be yew Sunday instead of it wouldn't be Palm Sunday, it would be yew Sunday or whatever. Mm. And I'd never really made the connection, um, but that actually, I, so I think that everybody knows. I guess the Christ wasn't born, or we have no idea when he was born. But I think the Bible puts the birth of Christ during the summertime, right? Um, no, I mean it. It wouldn't sort of have any indication of when. Oh no! No indication. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So then, at any rate, you know, we we celebrate on December twenty fifth, and I right. think that the the reason that we're celebrating on December twenty fifth has less to do with knowing any certain the date of Christ's birth with any certainty, and more to do with the fact that it was Yule. You know, mm-hmm. that was that was Yule tide and Yule, right? Um, but the same thing is true of Palm. Sunday, which I didn't know, which is to say, we don't know when that was either. So what it becomes actually is a, um, it sort of, it sort of glosses over top of the renewal season, you know, the rebirth of the, the, the resurrection of Christ ends up, ends up fitting rather well on top of the previous pagan rituals for the rebirth and renewal, you know, of the new season, right? Yeah. So like Yeah, I mean I think I obviously so because Easter is timed and dated with the Passover, right? So Christ is celebrating Passover and then he 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 dies um and then his resurrection. So that that the timing of that would be for whatever for whatever reasons, you know, um it would be that that would be pretty certain. And it would be during the springtime. Um so the 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 line would be, but the, what you're saying is right, which is there was then a um a a Christian celebration of the resurrection that would be more or less during the springtime. That then, as pagan cultures were converted through various ways, yeah, these like local customs, um, would it would have been adopted, um, right? You know, which is obviously why, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to suggest. Anything well, I'm just, about- I'm just. I'm just. I'm just correct. I'm just. I'm just saying that we do know when, or, or right, there, okay. there is there is a reason for that, which is less, more. You know, sort of the Christmas is much much less so, right? You know, what I mean, like there, right. there are there are probably some like Reddit arguments about you know actually you can date yeah. it. Yes, you know, time. I, I don't want to. I don't want to start. You know, this like. Jesus's Mithros or whatever. I'm not trying right, to do that. Right. I'm saying I'm saying it was simply interesting, you know, for the the things that the the dates that we didn't have in the Bible or 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 um, for when it when it was let's say a, a what's the word that I'm looking for a fortuitous mapping, you know. Mm. So in the case in the case of of say Palm Sunday, if a, a pretty fortuitous mapping of what was clearly a uh, an ancient sort right. of like you know the the tree the tree worshippers or whatever you that kind of becomes sort of fortuitously mapped for Christians onto this Palm Sunday and so you have no matter where you are in England you've got people getting their evergreen trees no matter right. what kind of what kind of tree they've got it's getting blessed right uh, and then you know the the there are some other rituals that are not Christian that uh, happen sort of. Or, or maybe they get Christianized, uh, right. but as part of the liturgical calendar, but are clear, clearly don't have a, or don't don't clearly have some precedent in the Bible. So, for instance, there's um, right after uh, the Easter season, there's the uh, I think it's called Plowman's Sunday, and and that's just where you know you're the 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 plowman. The plowman is very important, and so and plowing is very important. So they've got these, uh, you know, at the church they put a plow up, they put a plow up in the church, and there's a candle for the plowman, and the plowmen are going around and and um, getting money for the parish, but they're also doing these um, sort of ancient games that we have we, we don't really know. Um, where they come from necessarily like they may have some older antecedents so for instance the you know a candle in the church for the plowman is is sort of a thing that has been made part of the i don't want to say liturgy but you know part of the the spectacle i don't know whatever it's it's part of the 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 church moors they have a candle for the plowman and but the the part that seems to me probably not part of the or brought in is so the the part that's probably a good deal older is that the young people would had had a game where the men had to stop the women from dousing the candle out so the plowman mm-hmm. candle that's in the church and this is this is kind of like part of the festivities it's got a little bit of um you know it's young people doing this it's got a bit of sexual energy probably because you know it's a group of young men who are stopping mm-hmm. the young women from dousing the candle. It's interesting to see these things happen like throughout the liturgical year, and we don't have them anymore. I think right. the, the 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 thing that's well, the interesting Puritans, about, obviously, you know, this would have been right yeah, in but, their crosshairs. Yeah, you know? but the thing, no, I'm this is true. So that's one that's one instance. But I mean, the whole liturgical calendar is out the window right. because yeah. because nobody. Uh, nobody's outside experiencing the change of the change of the seasons anymore. The whole thing mm-hmm. is built upon change of the seasons, right? And people people experiencing life as a as a community who is going through 
you know, the winter death rebirth cycle, which the Christian, you know, to some extent, the Christian faith got mapped onto this very old, just cyclical winter death and summer rebirth uh, thing, which probably didn't happen quite as extremely in biblical lands as they did in, you know, jolly old England, right? Right. And so, so, so anyway, the point of the book, Mary England, Mary Old England, or the, let me get the title correct, which is, uh, the rise and fall of Mary England. The whole point of that is, is the, uh, to show what the, what the liturgical year was like, or the, the ritual year, I should say, not liturgical, but the ritual year was like between the years 1400 and 1700. A lot of really fascinating rituals, their, their ancient past and how they kind of got mapped uh, or, or how well, we're, Christian, we're, we're going, Christian we're the Christian calendar through, got mapped onto that. I, I mean, I, I'll venture to say we're going through a similar um, period now of removing, I mean, how to put a finger on it, but I mean, like Columbus Day was something you used to have parades for and everything, and obviously, you know, can't can't have that again um it's a very 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 minor sort of version of it but i i don't i can't i can't even point at a single non-controversial uh shared um shared holiday except mm. perhaps perhaps new years yeah but then somebody will say no this is uh you know cuz the the quechua quechua speakers um, celebrate the new year, you know, on on um, April third, right? And so this is, you know, or or of course the easy one is, you know, well, you know, uh, uh, you know, we're just counting, we're counting these years, and this is arbitrary, and you know, just because some monk said Jesus was born in some year, and so you know, really, we should throw that all out, and and you know, just we should go by the date since the Big Bang. Right, and we're gonna have we're gonna have um, what's his name Neil deGrasse Tyson tell us when was the Big Bang, <laughs> and then with this is year f- you know four billion something and and three, and, yeah. and we'll roll over. Yeah, yeah. I think the the other thing so woke woke culture has done probably more and more rapidly to destroy Western culture in the past. I don't know twenty years or so, but. The, I think the thing there was that uh, the Industrial Revolution and its consequences, you know, after the year 1700, you you start to see sort of atomization, but also you see people getting away from the field. So I don't know. I don't really know right, when the, right. the, the biggest shift would be. But I remember going to Peru, to Machu Picchu, and those people, uh, if you ever see it, they, they lived on these ter- – well, they – they worked, which means that they lived on these terraces on the side of a mountain and uh, had, you know, had no concept of time that wasn't entirely from the cycle of the moon or the sun and handed down from their king. And so it's really fascinating to imagine that, that you know, what sort of put yourself in the mind of the 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 potato farmer on the side of the mountain in in Peru, you know, four or five hundred years ago, whose whole concept of time was, you know, once a month you you have some holiday and then you have ten or 
15 holidays throughout the year. And, you know, like that's the whole concept. You have no concept of a second. I'm sure you have a concept of like how, you know, the how long it takes to eat breakfast or how many, you know, where the sun is in the sky when you're you're done with your hoeing for the day. But I mean, you know, no no concept of of sort of this mechanical mechanical idea of time or anything like that. It, anyway, in, industrialization brings this sort of like atomization and um, new mechanical concept of time. So we're never getting that back in in any event. But as I say, I'm interested in in old English, so I guess I I want to spend time in the mind of pre modern man. It feels cozy. Yeah. I mean, some redditor now is going to say, actually, yeah, they had those ropes, and <laughs> yeah, I know. And they, you can't, they you could can't tell win. time. They could tell time, <laughs> and in I fact, know. these they they invented coding, yeah, with these ropes, right? And Ada Lovelace is a typical Karen, you yeah. know, take taking taking credit for coding, um. And in fact, the Eastern Europeans could always tell time in number of cigarettes. How long does it take to smoke a cigarette? That's it's stuff like that, right? But the, the very Reddit response, yeah, I'm just saying, I, I you know, I, I want to put myself in the. No, I get it. I mean, I, there, there, there are um, lots, lots of things um, that. Yeah, you could say. I mean, I, I think that certainly. I don't know. Like, what's the the, the last remnants of this sort of thing is probably in like the school semester right and um oh right the idea yeah. that you have like and, and and you know what that's out the window now because of um you know uh presumably that's out the window because you have um you know online learning and everybody can just kind of start when they want and stop when they want and you're going to be spending sixty thousand dollars a year to to you know live in your basement terrified of some virus and that, so that's gone. That last little bit that we were hanging on to. Um, summer vacation. Quarter, yeah, summer yeah. vacation. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's a great. Um, there was the, like t the, obviously these these joke magazines that were fun to read when we were kids, but like Time, they had a cover a few years ago that was um, uh, "Who Killed Summer Vacation," and. You know, and then someone pointed out like three years earlier, they had a cover that said, you know, is it time to end summer vacation? Time to kill it. So, you know, but I know like university presidents hate the stuff. They hate summer vacation because it's it's leaving the fields fallow. All right. Time time that you have to pay for the buildings, but you're not getting any tuition. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and that's you know now they, they snuck for years. They snuck the idea of um, summer exchange, you know, so you can get the EU to pay. You know, you, your your kid goes and pays the EU, and the EU pays right. pays your school to take some mm. uh, Euro trash off their hands for the summer. Yeah, gross. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I I was that guy, so I was the Ameritrash that went to Europe during summer vacation and spent boatloads of money to st I did the trashiest thing possible which was I spent a boatload of government money to stay in a in a, in a castle for for the better part of a year <laughs> nice yeah in, in in Ireland or where where did no you I was I I studied at the Sciences Po in um oh yeah 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 in uh Strasbourg you, 
Strasbourg, right? Yeah. Alsace. Yep. Beautiful region. Excellent food. Uh, as you would expect. I mean, the cliche is about the French is totally true. Yeah. I, I drank mimosas every morning just because I could, you know, champagne was as cheap as anything. Well, whatever the, right. the, re- the regional bubbly was, was as cheap as anything else. So I would drink mimosas every morning for breakfast and, you know, just be drunk in class every day. It's a good time. It's totally, totally worth, uh, worthwhile way to spend your youth, to be honest. It's much better than like masking up and doing classes online. It's yeah. trying to try, trying to feel up French co-eds and, and pretend to learn something about the European Union. I still don't know anything about the European Union, but you know. is that is the is the parl the Parliament is in Stra- Strasbourg? Yeah. Uh, yes. The administrative. That's the administrative. Ca- or. Am I, have I got this right? It's the administrative capital, and then they have the like political capitals in Luxembourg. Is that right? No, in Brussels. Belgium, Brussels. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yes, and then they have the European Court of Human Rights is there as well. So uh, uh, okay. set in set in on that crap. Yeah, we used to, I used to have arguments with like these well-educated German functionaries who would tell they would come up with these hypotheticals like you know what should you do if what should you do if an airplane is um, headed for a stadium full of people you know what is the proper legal thing to do and as a good mm. American I said well you shoot it down you know but they right. had some they always had some Kantian reason for why this was the, why you know people are not ends so we can't we can't kill them. Yeah, we can't kill just I, because a terrorist is using them as a weapon doesn't mean that we can. <laughs> yeah, I was. I, it was in um, uh, New York City. I mean, this would have been like ten years ago, and there was a. I was just kind of hanging out at a friend's party or something, and they, um, there was a German judge there, yeah. total dege- total degenerate, like literally would go to the Philippines for like young boys type guy, and like um, but he. It, we got into this argument. It's like because he was telling me about a case where a woman like put a pillow over her husband's head while he was sleeping and yeah. shot him in the head. Right. And it, this is not murder. Not in Jewish law, surely. Yeah. And and why is it why is it not murder in because in Germany there has to be an like an element of surprise or something <laughs> to like to, to what happened and like he's like so, so like he like, he like you know like deemed it not murder and like right. i just i just thought that was like so like insane and, and then of course like he's getting into and this is one of the, those those few instances where i will become like a total griller like pro-america and my constitution you know type type guy but i mean like he was then he started like going off about how like he didn't think the u.s had like a legitimate like judicial system because the death penalty or something you know um so yeah uh it was it was all kinds of this uh, i guess i don't know what you'd call them but rational rationalizations these um weird rationalizations for uh that they've come up with i which i think simply supports bureaucracy so like the right the the, this weird rationalization and the the fact that you can get twenty German bureaucrats together to argue this thing through stuff that you and I you know just take for granted like shooting somebody in the head on purpose right. is murder right 
Right. But then in the EU, like it has to be translated from like German into Maltese. Right. <sighs> right. right. Yeah. You know? I've and been, like, yeah, I've been in the, like I was saying, I've been in the European Court of Human Rights and they they really have a gallery up there for 13, I think it's 13 different languages that have to be constantly piped back out into the assembly. They should just use English. It's it's insane. And I'll go on record saying that. Um, predictions? Predictions for 2022? Um, well, I, how did we do last year? I, I'm recalling that I said I was going to 10x my... I was going to 10x my uh, net worth this year, and I did not <laughs> did not 10x my net worth. I did. I think I your, did. Your position to do so, yeah. No, well, I, I did multiple. I think I did about 3x, which mm -hmm. is, you know, that's pretty good. You can't. It's not bad. Yeah. But, you know, I was starting from nothing, so. <laughs> uh, it's, it's easy to 3x 20 bucks, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I, um. I can recall. I know I did not run a marathon, and I'd like to not even get close to uh, training for one. You did a half marathon. I, uh, yes, but that's that's because it was all I was able to do. I did actually sign up for the full marathon, but it got pushed oh, right. back. Yeah, it got pushed back two times because of COVID. I'm yeah. still running, by the way. I'm doing about maybe forty k a week, something like that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I, I um. I would like to um, do. I mean, they they have a good one here, and it's like at a good time of year. Um, so maybe I don't know, but I'm not I'm not going to commit myself to that at all. Um, the uh, yeah, I don't know. I and like we, so we were saying so Bitcoin. Oh price, God, I don't. We said it was going to be six figures. I think so. I I, 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 I think I did. We I should go back to the tape. We should and yeah, I, I'll I'll do a prediction for that for next year, which is. I think it will actually hit six, six figures next year. A hundred. Yeah. Uh, I'll go for over one hundred and twenty thousand. That's going to be my twenty twenty two prediction. It's just it's it's you know it's up and down, but it's still on the trajectory. You know, yeah. so I think that a high point will put it above six figures. Okay. Um, I I could definitely definitely see that, and I I think it's not it's not worth going into the the other sort of like sideshow type stuff the um and it's it's so like okay so here's one will people be where arguing about whether to wear masks by the end of next year by the end of next year uh i think it's i think covid is over i hope that's true I think it is because I think Jen um, Rubin, Jen Rubin of the Washington Post, uh -huh. said today yeah, it's time to declare defeat. Oh, um, okay, right. And, and 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 this is this is where and this yeah, there's like a very we have always been at war with East Asia right. element to it. Right. I I right. think here's here's my prediction. Okay, the story is going to be ineffective Trump vaccines. Right there, you go. And we're we, going we to see. We're going to see. We're going to see the CEOs of Pfizer and Moderna prosecuted <laughs> for. I I was with for you some the... sort of corruption for some sort of like corrupt deal okay. with the Trump administration. The Operation uh, Warp Speed. Operation okay. Warp Speed will go on trial. I see what you're saying here. Um, all right. We're okay. Interesting. 
Here follows some discussion that would absolutely get Josh and Andy cancelled from the planet forever, and is thus elided. Yeah, yeah. The the really the only point of friction now, and I think people are just kind of sick of, sick of the crap, is people just don't want to go to work. And you know, it 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 to me is just like so shame, deeply shameful. Um, and the reason they can get away with it is because they don't do a whole lot, right? Um, and that's that's not even like their fault. Like it's just like the whole system has been set up that you could you could go into your office and just goof off on ESPN all day, and go home. And now you're like able to go home and like you know do your email or whatever and play Xbox or watch Frozen with your kids and everything. And like really, the answer is is probably only one of you needs to go to work. Right. And and we should pay you enough so that the other one, and I won't say who that other one is because I don't want angry letters, but then one of the parents should stay home and watch Frozen with the kids. I'll say who it should be. Can I do it? I'll take the I'll take the hit on the letters. You take the heat. You take the heat. It should be the wife, the female woman, should stay home with the kids and watch Frozen or whatever. I take it as a point of pride that my wife stays home and lives a life of comparative luxury, which is to right. say she gets to hang out with her kids, which is what she really wants to do in life. Right, right. Uh, she works hard with the kids, but that's what also what she wants to do, and I take it as a point of pride that she's able to. I have arranged my I, life. If, if you want to work, you know, you can start an Etsy shop. Or something. Sure. Yeah. Make and, some and make some extra jing for sure if you want to. But yeah, uh, you know maybe you can pay for the Hawaii trip that we're never going to take because I hate sun. But uh, okay. So there's your prediction for COVID. My prediction is that it's going to be over. Uh, I don't know if the court is going to come into it, but probably will in some yeah. way, I suppose. But yeah. uh, I think Omicron is obviously the end. Uh, it's clear. Will China? Will China? But like, will oh, China yeah. and Hong Kong? Like, kind of like keep because this is this is the other. Like, we're talking about kind of like kind of societies with low state capacity, and also yeah. just you know, I, and I will not comply attitude. Right. Um, whereas, like here, they're like totally doubling down on Omicron being like this, like the de the demon, the demon. Yeah, it, uh, it sort yeah. of cuts against the narrative that um, China is highly competent. They are highly competent, but then they can also get into these. Um, if they choose the wrong right, right. metric, then it then it yeah. gets very very retarded. They are as they are as capable of worshiping oranges as the next lunatic country, and so occasionally an orange comes along that everyone gets worshipful of, and. Uh, I hope I hope our listeners know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they they've caught on to this thing, and they are, you know, hypochondriac by nature. Uh, very, the, very hypochondriac. I, I was I was um, properly chastised uh, because I said that they were uh, germaphobes, which is not true. They are not germaphobes, but they are hypochondriac. Yeah, I don't know. I like I I I know what you're talking about. I haven't been chastised, but I I mean. I see people like walking around with alcohol wipes to like yeah, yeah, touch yeah. the to touch the elevator thing. So like I I get I think that there's like people can 
contextualize their germophobia. Yeah, where they're they're not paying a lot of attention to some aspect of it, but there there is certainly a um, a much broader fear than just oh like making up some maladies, which also happens. High state capacity, hypochondria, and a disease that I don't know. I guess it's got some clout. Anyway, whether it's real or well, not. Well, I when when you when you've sort of said, okay, we will not we will not tolerate one death or one case. I mean like even one case, but certainly like one death. Then it's just it gets very hard because then if you're the guy who has to deal with the one infant that died maybe of Omicron and in a country of a billion people, that's going to be some 1.4 billion people. That's going to be somebody. Somebody's going to have that bag on their desk. The thing and is, no one wants that to be them. Yeah, and they have real issues that they don't pay attention to the same way that we do, which is to say, you know, Omicron is not a real issue. Uh, they do have some real weird, particularly Chinese problems that they should pay attention to that they don't pay attention to as much. Or, well, I don't know, they get a lot of social attention on social media, but... Um, it's only it's only like since I've been here in China, for instance, they had the first like federal level um, law against beating your wife, for instance. Um, right. I, I don't know how far you get into domestic affairs, but not beating the shit out of your wife has got to be at least somebody's concern. Yeah. Uh, and that, like I said, that that only came up, I think, since I've been in, in China. And then my wife was telling me just this morning, there's a story about... A man and woman, a man got divorced, and he had a daughter and a son, one-year-old son, a little bit older than a year, son, and I think a three-year-old daughter. Divorced his wife. Now, this is, you know, his, his son is just over a year, so that means that his wife has had the son, and they've, they're already on the rocks and headed toward divorce. So he's already divorced by the time the story takes place. And I should point out that China has since rolled back the freedom of divorce i don't know if, right if you've have you heard about this i i i'm aware of this yeah, yeah. so they there's there's um a cooling off periods right and 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 one of the reasons just to, um this is not entirely because they are trad um even though it's it, it you know a reasonably you know sound policy for that part of it is because people are getting paper divorces to evade house purchase restrictions uh, right so if you're because if you you're you're married the married couple is allowed to own one or two homes in certain markets because you know in order to tamp down demand for housing um, and so people have been and I know people who have done this they go down to the courthouse and they get divorced with no actual intention to be divorced um, but they uh, because then they can buy an extra property or two. So this is one of the reasons. Now there's also, yeah. I think, elements that are not so cynical. You know, they're 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 actually saying, okay, we want people to like not get divorced so easily and keep families together because there's massive social problems with it. But right. but go on. Yeah, and one of which will be this is probably as well part of their larger push to make more babies, and you know, people who right. stay together tend to do that. So the husband's got a new girlfriend and the new girlfriend doesn't want the old kids around uh so she's been pushing she's pushing this guy on wechat every day to 
you know, telling her, my, my parents will never accept you if you've got kids and uh, we'll never have, we'll never find happiness if you've got kids. So anyway, the guy uh, invites his children over to his house or whatever. He, he tells his wife, uh, I'm going to buy the kids some clothes. I think that was the story. So he takes his kids up to the top floor of his apartment and drops them off the 50th floor. Both did. And he's down at the, you know, he's down at the, the bottom floor crying his eyes out. Oh, it was a terrible tragedy. My kids climbed up over the balcony. The wife, the, whom he had divorced, didn't believe that story because she didn't see her kids being climbers and the balcony, you know, the wall of, wall of the balcony was much higher than she thought. Anyway, so she takes it to the police, says, I don't believe this. I don't believe him. And uh, they start checking the WeChat history. So obviously these two are not too bright. Because, <laughs> because they're talking over WeChat, doing doing all this over WeChat. Anyway, they just just today um, pleased 1.6 billion people by saying that the two, both the man and the woman, will be getting the death penalty. Yeah. Um, so I mean, and not not in 20 years after exhausting uh, appeals. That's, that's true. So oh. actually, I guess I should say, in my book, China is pretty well on top of this from a governance standpoint. But these. This is this, what I'm. What I mean to, to say here is that it's a weird sort of social, like a per, peculiarly, I think, Chinese social illness, I suppose, mm. or or uh, maybe oh, maybe it, just a, it, a weird is, product is, of of their social. Yeah, yeah. I I think I I mean th this story is not uncommon, you know, because as you were telling it, I, I was able to think of a few others. I mean, the there was a doctor in Hong Kong who killed his um his wife and uh daughter by having like he he was an anesthesiologist and he filled a yoga ball up with some gas and put it in the car and then it like deflated and like killed and and then it, they, they were brought to the hospital he came in and the reason the the police picked up on it was he had not meant to kill the daughter and uh, so, like, he was kind of like fake distraught with the wife when the wife was brought in, and then when he found out the daughter was dead, like he like totally freaked out. Bottom line is that I think that it, while it does happen, you do have some sort of like twisted murder suicide and like killing kids, and you know, I I suspect that you will have more. There there was a tweet from a woman who was talking about how concerned she was about her children having to deal with COVID and Omicron their entire lives. I could see that sort of woman killing her, ch like mercy killing her children right. so that they don't grow up in a COVID universe, you know, in a deranged way that she thinks that she's like saving them from a COVID future. Um, yeah. I, like Thanos. I also, know? I also want to say that even though I've said that, that's like a, peculiarly Chinese thing. Um, I also don't, you know, I don't think that there's anything that necessarily should necessarily should change in this instance because, you know, it's, you're dealing with, you're dealing with a, you're dealing with human nature uh, and it's just butting up against a, you know, an otherwise healthy culture in a, in a sort of peculiar way. Uh, that, which is to say, you know, women will always want to take out love rivals not to say right. not to say that they're always going to have them toss kids off of roofs. I just mean that they'll always want love rivals out of the way the same way that men are always going to, well, much the same thing in sort of a peculiarly male way. 
you, you see this in Chinese culture, and this is one of their weird foibles. The same way that you know, um, you know, young twenty-something women jumping off of roofs because they were slighted, or uh, teenage boys do it because they're under immense pressure to pass the Gaokao or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean the other thing about China is it's 1.4 billion people. Like right, I said. right, right, right. And 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 you know with that um, denominator, the, the the chance that you're going to have sort of one of these cases right. happen, um, and, and you know they they get covered in the media. Like this is not um, yeah, it's not hushed sw- up. It's not hushed like up. That. As a matter yeah, of fact, yeah, this yeah. Uh, every single one of these cases is the result, or my knowledge of it is the result of massive outrage. Uh, right. Well, like the same situation with that woman who um, jumped off. Do you you remember the one about the pregnant woman who won the cesarean no. cesarean section? Oh my! This was a few years ago before my before my son was born. I think um, just to like get through it really quickly. She this was in the north. So this, if you know anything about China, this culturally this that's was, messed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah very very weird pl- place. Yeah, uh, totally. The, the family familial relationships are sort of totally backwards from the, the way that um, southern or at least southwestern Chinese relationships are in southwestern China, Sichuan, where I live. Uh, women are typically very independent. They tend to take care of the family finances and um, actually run the show. In the north, it's completely backwards where or completely the opposite of that, where you have a male-oriented um society and the man's family is particularly um sort of like overbearing and yeah. and and interested in in the daughter-in-law who who has to sort of be long suffering well with that in mind we're talking about a, a story that happened in north china um and the man's family was there in the hospital um the woman was having his uh, her her his his wife was having his baby and um it wouldn't come the, the child just wouldn't come uh tried everything that they could the um doctors and nurses did everything they could and they said look we're going to have to we're going to have to have a cesarean and uh the woman said okay uh but the family said no the the family of the husband said no because they their belief was that the cesarean would be uh, would produce a less healthy child, which you know may be marginally may true. Be true. May be yeah, true. Yeah. May may marginally be true, but but certainly. I mean, like, but it, but your choice might be a dead child, a dead right. like a stillborn right. child, right, 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 right. like and, <laughs> right. Yeah, and that yeah. was the choice. It was either cesarean or mother and child are both going to die. But they refused. They refused the, the uh, multiple times, and. Finally, while this this woman was suffering for hours and hours and hours and begging for them to, you know, just cut cut the child out, right? She's suffering and suffering and suffering and um, just is losing her mind, apparently. She to- lost her mind with pain, walked up to the top of the hospital roof and jumped off. Yeah. Uh, so mother and child obviously both did. And then the, the, uh, this came out and the, the family, of course, blamed the hospital. They said they never right. get, they, you know, it was her choice, which it was legally her choice. But anyone who understands the family dynamic there understands right. that if the family had said no, there was no way that the doctors and nurses were going to go against Well, the doctors are going to actually, right. I, 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 right. 
exactly. Yeah. They don't, and doctors are terrified of, in China, doctors are terrified of families, uh, you know, suing them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so they, you know, the family said they never told us about this and blah, blah, blah. And that was the story for about a week until the hospital got the, got the video evidence together of the uh, family you know, right. Denying, denying, denying. But it is, it is on the, it is on the, yeah. I mean, it obviously, I mean, it is on the hospital. Um, am I, and, and this is where, you know, you can't, but you can't, you know, but what is the law going to do? Right. I mean, like they're, they're just kind of following the local tradition and mores and, you know, I'd say, honestly, they don't get paid enough to deal with that sort of, Oh no, you know, for sure. Um, you know, being a doctor in, in China is not, not a great, not, not not very lucrative. Um, yeah, I mean, there was there was a nanny in in Hangzhou a few years ago, and she like um, she had some like problem with the family. Maybe they were gonna like fire her, or she thought that you know something. So she start set a fire in the apartment, and her uh, what she wanted to do was rescue the kids mm. and then be a be a hero. And um, but it, like it didn't work for a variety of reasons. Oh so, like, yes, every, I remember yeah, this yeah. story. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the kids and the mother die. Yep. Um, and uh, I don't know, you know. So, but again, it's just like it's just such a big country. And I, I remember these things. I remember uh, that she was she was hailed as a hero for a, a couple of days before they, really, yeah. yeah, yeah, before they yeah. found out that actually she had set the fire herself and thought that she was going to be able to get the kids and mother kids out, out, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, 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 the I can remember one like just briefly. The also it happens with pets because I can I remember a few a couple of years ago there was one where um, you know Chinese are weird about dogs, especially the older people are very weird about dogs. And uh, some old woman invited uh, somebody's dog into her house and threw it off the balcony uh, just because. I don't know. She she was just she was a psychotic woman, I suppose. But she was just also fed yeah. up fed up with the dog being around, like you know, when she was getting onto right. the elevator and things like that. So she just got the dog and tossed it off the the balcony, and then didn't understand what was wrong with that. I can right, and I can I can remember I can sort of you can sort of get into the mindset if you see dogs as you know as meat because I can remember uh, like the yeah. first year that I got to China, there was a guy who got into a lot of trouble. Because he saw a dog walking down the street, grabbed it, and started cooking it, uh, yeah. just right on the side of the street here in Chengdu. Um, and he was, you know, he was going to have himself a nice dog meal. But it turned out that the dog belonged to somebody. And when the police came around, uh, he was in big trouble, obviously for destroying somebody's property. But he didn't. He couldn't conceive. He had no. It was clear that the guy had no conception that he had done anything wrong because there was just some meat wandering around on the street, you know, and he. Right. He was hungry, so. But if if you did that to somebody's like pet chinchilla or um, <laughs> uh, mouse or something, like that, you you'd probably get in trouble. Like there'd be some like fine or something like that. But I yeah. don't. People would not be as outraged as you did it to a dog. Yeah. And I th- I, I I'm not saying that that's wrong. I just you know th- there's definitely like a dividing line where, um, you know the the number of people who would say gosh, that's really not big a deal what the guy did is, is much smaller. It's not non-existent, but it's much smaller with, um, with, with our canine 
I, I like our pit bulls because they're they're. Oh, I know boys. you're a big. I know you they're love boys. I know you love pit bulls and hate fate children's faces. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we've got to wrap up on. <laughs> That's a good way to end the. Oh, no. can we can we finish on an Urbit prediction? Any pred- yeah, yeah, yeah. prediction for Urbit? Um, I I think that we're gonna see um, pretty pretty significant changes. Uh, no, I I think I think we're gonna see linear linear if not exponential growth, um, and not not because of people fleeing, you know, other other programs or systems or something like that, um, but. Because just the, there's just so much going on and so much development, it's just going to be so much more useful um, for more people that um, we're just going to uh, uh, see a lot more. That's a very weak milk dose prediction. I, I don't know what to say. I'm not going to predict about uh, as you know star prices or anything like that. I just I think that you're gonna. I'll say you, I think we're gonna have a hundred thousand people actively participating in the community by the end of the year. Sounds good. Thank you for listening. If you want more Stack, join us on our parent publications page at orbisledger.news or find us on Twitter at the Orbis Ledger. Remember, the way to 100,000 active users is you. And if it isn't, it's a Chinese bot farm. Until next time.